Welcome to the Kumfufu Podcast, the only podcast that records this week's episode next week. Uh, Jason, how you doing? I'm good, Tani. Thank you for asking. How about you? You know, I give it. Oh well, you're wearing a giant sweatshirt. I mean, we'll talk about this later. But given given uh, the the way that our team's games ended yesterday, obviously, we're coming in on a different astral planes. I think, um, and I, I guess. That's where I'd like to start. Before we even get to Gutiérrez and LCQs, I want to ask, do you know who George Santos is? I'd never heard of him, and then I saw your agenda, and I Googled him, and that's a crazy story. It's a really crazy story. So jo- George Santos is like this congressperson from Long Island, Long I think. Long Island, yeah. Yeah, who basically fudged his entire resume and ran two campaigns and... Nobody in the Democratic Party did like any oppo research and seemed to just like completely like accept his resume, which like granted, like if I were hiring someone, like I wouldn't think to check every single item, but like maybe three of them. Um, and and now the New York Times like did this whole expose, which is like, well, we we asked about this thing he did, and it wasn't true. And we asked about that, and 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 so it's blowing up Twitter today. And my question for you, Jason, is. What is the Kumfufu analog for someone to be the George Santos of Kumfufu? So it's tough to have, you know, like the same level of analog because we're not, you know, analyzing each other's resumes or making up stuff. But the closest thing I can really think about as uh, as a nod to both our playoff losers this week, Yakov and Joey, <laughs> who both like, you know, put up a good show of being competent teams and competent franchises. And we all kind of thought like going into this, we like, yeah, Yakov could win. Yeah, Joey could win. Of course, Joey always wins. He's a villain. It happens. The bad guys win. And, uh, you know, it turns out the, you know, the emperor had no clothes and their teams are exactly who we thought they were. And there's just no substance there. Well, it's funny that you say that because I, this is exactly where I uh, had this conversation going in my head when I, when I put it in here and, um, but the thing is, like, I noticed later in the later in the episode, we're going to talk about you know like everybody's matchups, and I put just in the agenda, I put everybody's like rank for the playoffs, and it was weird that, technically speaking, both of these both of these matchups this week were upsets, um, and and yet here we are talking about how they were who we thought they were. I don't know that that, that was weird to me. It's you know fantasy football is like I don't know what percent of this but there's a material percentage of it that's just luck and that's what it's coming down to i suppose but like also like this is kind of what we expected i, I don't know i don't know it, it we'll get whatever we'll, we'll talk about the matchups later anyway let's 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 open with uh some lcqs uh anytime jesse does anything i feel the need to front load it i was in shul yesterday on, on Shabbos, I introduced my my parents were in town for my graduation, and uh, and my dad and I went to Shul, and introduced my dad to um, Judy Swanberg. We were talking about Jesse, and she says he answers texts sometimes, eventually, um, which <laughs> very much like encapsulates my my approach to Jesse on the pod. Um, and so. When he invited me to a Facebook event this uh, past Saturday night, I couldn't go because my parents were in town, but I wanted to put it uh, front and center in, in the episode. Jesse held an event on Saturday night. What was it? LCQ. 
birthday party. Not for him, though. His birthday is in June. Absolutely not. Um, there was, uh, I will give you a little more C. It was a game night of sorts. A game night of sorts and not just like a game night where he's got board games and you play them? Like a, like a board and brew at home thing? Yeah, it was a specific type of game night. Was it like one of those those game nights where everyone's like got a script and they're acting in a role and you got to figure out like who killed someone or who poisoned a drink or something? I'm not 100% certain, but I'm 90% certain that is 100% correct. Uh, the event was titled Murder Mystery Night. Um, and in my RSVP that I couldn't come, I said kill all the baddies, which in the sense, we did in Kofofo this week. So sorry, Yaakov. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. I didn't collect the data for this next LCQ. LCQ, um, I've done a lot of, like, ever since I set up my FanDuel account to do their um, to do their uh, sports book, I've been doing a lot of NFL bets. LCQ, my up or down on NFL bets this year. And, and extra, extra points to you if you are uh, able to guess the amount in whichever direction. I mean, just by seeing what's been coming through the Slack, I would guess you're up probably like 200 bucks. 200 bucks. No, I, uh, my, my, uh, everybody in betting talks about um, their bets in terms of units, and my unit is a dollar um, for, uh, in, in, in accordance with the fact that I have no money, and also I don't want to develop a gambling addiction. Okay, then we'll call it like six units. Um so no, I'm definitely up more than that because I put the entirety of my FanDuel balance in the Niners bet at one point. Okay. Um, Smart bet. Yeah, yeah. They didn't lose a single time while that was in in the air. It was amazing. It was it was unbelievable. So I I don't know for sure. I started out with about twelve dollars in my account. Now there are thirty two. Most of that winning is the Niners bet. I won a bit on the World Cup, and I won a bit on NBA. But basically, that's oh, and and I won like a little bit of FanDuel um, DFS. But like the majority of that is the Niners bet, and um, whatever. I guess we could we could, whatever. We'll we'll get to the Niners later because uh, I put that in something else. But that was uh, so far so good, I suppose. All all of my parlays keep getting upended by random things like Dak Prescott hitting receiver in his hands and then he get it, getting returned for a pick six. That made no sense. That was great. Oh my god! And like the 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 Ravens losing to the Jaguars cost me like twenty bucks on like a two dollar bet. Um, oh my god, that was so frustrating. Oh my god. Uh, more LCQs uh, that that I have uh, scrounged around. There've been a bunch of beatbox events. I'm thinking a lot about it because either next week or in the beginning of the new year, I will be launching my beatbox Substack. Everyone should subscribe. Also still called Special Effects. But there's been like a bunch of events with um, just funny stuff happening. So some targeted LCQs that should make it a little accessible for you, Jason. The American Solo Champion, the, the American Championship was um, just a couple months ago in Atlantic City. What state is the current reigning American beatbox champion from? I mean, I feel like just based off population, I got to guess California. Uh, directionally close. Uh, Pono Akiona from Hawaii, the first Hawaiian wow. American champion. Yeah, he uh, he uh, deserves this, I think. He was also the two-time tag team, that's two-on-two champion, 
uh, in the past, but this is his first solo uh, solo championship. Very exciting. This past weekend, yesterday and the day before, were the online world championships. Um, Shabbos, they hosted the loop event, uh, and yesterday was the solo. So this one, online world champion, what country is that person from? Um, Nigeria. I don't know that there's ever been an African champion of a major event, which is sad, but no. Yesterday, um, the online world champion was crowned Osis from Ireland, but he lives in Austria, which is confusing because like half the time when he like uploads videos, they put the Austrian flag, but he's uh, Irish and made some incredibly insensitive penis comments to his uh, competitors yesterday, which was very funny for me. Um, online world loop station champion, country, Jason. Um, I'm going to say Indonesia. That's a really, really good guess, actually. Uh, I have a story that will hopefully come out. I'm knock on wood, trying to place it with the New York Times. But um, uh, no, Indonesia has an enormous beatbox fandom, but the online loop champion is from Germany. Um, right? Germany? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Germany. Germany's a hotbed of loop talent. Germany and the USA right now are like the big spots. And then the last one, which is actually what inspired all this, because I know you'll appreciate this, that I'm interviewing the Japanese loop station champion for my Substack on Wednesday. And he placed fourth in the online world loop champs over the weekend, which is really great for him because he's a new guy. Um, but his stage name is a food. What food is this Japanese loop station artist named for? Watermelon. See, that's awesome. There's no wrong answer here. They're all so good. He goes by Taco, and I don't know his real name. I'm very excited to learn it, but he spells it with a K, and Taco is the reigning Japanese loop station champion and the, I guess, the fourth best online looper in the world. Um, so good Chavez, good Chavez to him. Good Chavez, good Chavez to um, Saijo, to, um, to Osis, to Pono Akiona, and to Eugene, who... Uh, got married in another country and is the reason why Joey's not here and you are Jason you got any comments there um I actually want to go go back a second and oh, yeah, for please. those of us following along at home including me can I can we get some explanation as to what a loop station is oh yeah sorry so loop station first off everybody should be listening to the special effects podcast if they haven't already we explained it there but because I'm a generous podcast host I'll do it again a loop station is basically um a device with buttons where you record, so if you can imagine, there are five big buttons. When you press it once, it opens it up for recording. So you sing into a mic that's connected to the device. And then when you press the button again, it stops and loops. So you go, ah, and then it, ah, so it loops. And with this device, you can toggle all of the tracks at once, some of them, none of them. And then in addition, um, you have a set number of input and output effects. So you can change what it sounds like, you know, between your mouth, mic, and device. So by the time it gets to the device, it sounds distorted or changed in some way, or you could leave it as you recorded it and then put an effect on it for the way it, he it sounds out of the speakers, if that makes sense. Um, so in, in doing so, you can manipulate sounds from early in a song uh, later in the song, that's you know you can develop a thing, but basically you use that to on the spot create live vocal tracks. Okay, that's a helpful explanation. Yeah, there. I mean, it's it's a it's a type of device that a lot of um, a lot of uh, just 
regular um, musicians use, especially live performers who don't have bands. Um, so you have a lot of electronic performers who will use it and like, um, you know, you'll play something on the keyboard and then that goes and then you'll walk over to the guitar and then, then do that. And then you're singing Ed Sheeran uses it. Um, Mark Rebier, I feel like is more likely to be someone in this, uh, scene. So anyway, people use it. It's not the, the RC 505, which is the loop station that all the, all the beatboxers use is a very specific device and it's both limited and very, um, wide ranging in his, in his capabilities, but it's kind of uh, perfectly built for the types of things that loop station artists use when um, when you're kind of um, a little less focused than the, the standard um, format of a beatbox battle, then like if you're trying to do something that lasts 20 minutes at not having stops in the middle, then it's kind of, um, little restrictive. Other musicians have kind of complained about this specific device. Anyway, uh, this is not where I thought this full episode was going, but uh, no, no, that's, that's helpful. I feel like I've seen videos like that. It's, it's like kind of, and I'm sure this is going to be wrong for reasons that are musically beyond me, but it's kind of like that old, you know, YouTube video with all the different Harry Potter characters singing their names and like different cadences, you know, it would go like Snape, Snape. Severus Snape, and then like a Dumbledore would jump in. Oh, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, it's there we go. It's not whatever functionally. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's, it's different, but in yeah, terms of like the effect, that's, that's exactly what it's supposed to be, and and the ability to like chop, um, chop uh, an audio sample in real time to make something out of it. Um, so you know, I'm speaking to you in in through this mic, but if I only record a middle of this sentence, then we've got this chop like Snape, Snape, Snape. And that um, functionally, you know, can create interesting, interesting things. Yeah. So I'm very excited to speak to Taco. Um, I mean, one of the weird things about like doing music like that, and this now we're completely off the rails, but um, is that like you're really not restricted by your equipment. And one of the things that they often do is like really like jump between genres. Uh, I'm excited to speak with this guy because like he when he won the Japanese championship like pretty much every single round was a different genre of music like he had like these very ambient things and then he did like very aggressive rap type beats and and then also just like simple and like sweet like you know swingy melodies in in 6-8 so uh, you know that's that's something I think about in, in loop station music that uh, that you're not genre genre specific and yeah anyway I'm, I'm so I'm so uh, surprised. I, I mean, I guess I put beatbox LCQs. I shouldn't be so surprised, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, this is now like a special effects confuffle podcast, you know, mashup. But that's all right. Well, not to not to spoil anything in the future, but I I was at a Shabbos meal that, uh, a couple of weeks ago with a girl who I um, matched with on J Swipe during the special effects days, and saw that she had a podcast about Jewish dating in the Upper West Side. And I was not attracted to her, but I saw she had a podcast. So I matched with her and gave her like extended feed. Like I listened to an episode of her podcast and gave her extended feedback. I was like, hey, here are like five things you can do in like under 20 minutes that will like very aggressively like change your podcast for the better. Like I don't mean to be presumptuous. Um, either you'll be annoyed that somebody mansplained podcasting to you over a dating app um, or uh, you will be happy. Either way, you have a good story. Uh, and free advice from a professional. I didn't think anything of it. And then I ended up at a Shabbos meal with her like a couple weeks ago. And she invited me on said podcast to talk about the thing. And I'm hoping to uh, to, to cross-pollinate that recording 
onto uh, at least a snippet of it onto this feed because I think honestly this this population will enjoy that more than any of her audience. Yeah, if there's one thing the audience of the Confucial Podcast enjoys, it's an analysis of the Orthodox dating scene on the Upper West Side. Well, that's you know, not ironic. I think it's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the good job is transitioned to uh, to Joey traveling to South America. Getting all the. Did you get any updates from Joey's travels? Uh, I know that his flight was functionally delayed, or at least boarding was delayed until the World Cup was over. Um, I know he is not going to be able to make it to Machu Picchu because the protests have closed down that airport and his flights got canceled. Other than that, not much. Do you know when he comes home? Because I don't. I do not. Yeah, me neither. Okay, cool. Well, Mazel Tov to Eugene and his now wife, whose name I don't know. Uh, they got married and, and they took Joey out of the country. Um, yeah, I guess you should say this one. Yeah, good Shabbos to, to you, Tani, for graduating from your program. Thank you. I am now a master. I went up, there was an Oneg on Friday night, and I went up to strangers and insisted that they refer to me as master because I knew that I didn't want to be friends with them ever, and I was just curious to see what would happen. And then I, I ended up speaking to a number of people who also already had master's degrees and have had it for much longer than me. And I said, it's embarrassing on your part that you've been spending they were like well i have a master's and i don't ask people should i be asking i said no this is something you have to start from day one if you don't establish that precedent you can't do it no that's embarrassing of you here i am on day one establishing this precedent actually i think this is um these are the rules and yeah people really didn't know what to do with me so i have two comments on that one is that you've at least in the slack been calling yourself more than a master for a long time since before having one well, you called and, me that. And also, for what it's yeah. worth, this is my second master. I've been a Pokemon master since, I think, 2019. I've been a master since 2017, and I have never insisted that anyone call me that. Like but I said, a missed opportunity, Jason. You actually you actually raised up a very good transition into my good Chavez, good Chavez. Oh, how nice. Which is, uh, so, work is very slow right now. I'm the only one working in the office, and not what even is? in the office. I'm, like, online in my basement. So, like, there's no one keeping tabs on anything. I don't have that much to do. I have my, you know, seniors do most of the work anyway. So I just review stuff. And if they're not here, then there's nothing for me to review. It's a good life. But point is, because I got a week of basically sitting in front of my computer and jiggling my mouse to keep the green dot going, I... Uh, don't get fired, back. Jason. Don't get fired. I'm not going to get fired, please. They're, they're hiring way too much to actually fire me. But, um, and, like, anyone who's supervising me is that also. But anyway, to help kill a lot of the time, and because it you know felt like a good, appropriate moment for it, I re-downloaded um, a Game Boy emulator. And as of earlier this morning, I've once again beaten the Elite Four on Pokemon Crystal. No comments. 10 out of 10. What a tremendous use of your time. Uh, what emulator do you use? Me and Yaakov have thoughts. Uh, it's the John Game Boy Color emulator. I don't know that one. I, I mean, whatever. I'm on Mac, so... I haven't, it's been ages since I uh, used a Windows emulator, I think since Yeshiva. Um, but well, I'm doing it, if it makes a difference, this is on mobile, not on my computer. Oh, interesting, interesting. Well, it's been even longer since I didn't have an iPhone, so um, whatever. All that matters is uh, you be the Elite Four. Tell us about your party. So, I mean, I got, you know, a, a Fralligator because. You know, that, that's, that's the one I picked when I was six years old and first got the game. So, like, that's the one I'm going to pick every time. That's unbelievable. Um, I, I, I mean, it, that is the most Jason approach to Pokemon I've ever heard. Your loyalty is unmatched. 
I like I'd say like I pretty much as a rule like these days going through emulators like run through each of the starter Pokemon and you're like how could I ever not yeah Froligator is the right answer you gotta go with that I mean to be fair I agree yeah they're awesome so I got got that I have a um, I got like you know, I'm not into it enough to actually go in and figure out like what the optimal Pokemon are with the optimal moves and make sure that I have like the best balanced party. So I caught a Hoot Hoot and a Vic- and a Bellsprout pretty early on, and I've still got a Weeping Bell and a, uh, a Knocked Owl in my party right now. And then I have the uh, the Pokemon Crystal trifecta of the Sudowoodo, the Red Gyarados, and the Suicune in my uh, to round it out. And like, wow. I found that of all of them, only Two of them are actually any good, which is the Fralligator and the Suicune, but like the rest are fun. Probably replace them as I go through Kanto, you know. Wait, wait, it's not great. You only have two functional Pokemon and they're both water types. No no no. They're all they're all level fifty. Or in that ballpark. So I level them all up, but like the other ones are they're just weaker. So I'm gonna ditch them at some point. That is tough. I'd say like generally speaking, after about level thirty, I I ins- like I just completely buy into the sunk cost fallacy, and I refuse to replace anybody because I've done so much training. Like I just so like the trap that I fall into is just over investing in my starter and having a starter who's like forty levels higher than anyone else. So I'm try actively trying to avoid that and like going for some balance. The problem is is that I may have picked the wrong Pokemon to balance because they're not impressing me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I do like that party. I think it's fun to uh, use Pokemon that you wouldn't necessarily... I mean, whatever. The the Red Gyarados is... Be- oh, you have three water types. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is definitely yeah, inefficient. Yeah, yeah, I'm very inefficient. I'm not balanced. It's also... Whatever. It's Gyarados can learn you... Thunderbolt. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get there. Um, Gyarados went down upsettingly easily against the Dragonite and the Elite Four, so... We're not getting along right now, but uh, <laughs> it's honestly, it's tough to get like any fire or electric in the game. Like you're basically stuck with like a Magnemite or a Growlithe or like nothing else. So hopefully later in the game, I'll get more opportunities to get like better ones. Cause I didn't want to go through the effort of like evolving an EV or doing any of that stuff. Hmm. Hmm. I see that. Uh, I'm like, now I'm walking through all the, all the places to think like, oh, you might be right. Um, wow, well, congratulations. Um, Thank you. King of the Elite Four. Um, congratulations to Joel and Ariel on the birth of their second child. Uh, came on, Joel came on Kufuvo just in time. Briss is tomorrow, so we'll see about this name. Um, I'm hoping to go, but I have a job interview at 9.15, and, and the Briss is at 8.25. So, I mean, it's, it's over the phone, but, like, am I really going to trust the Riverdale Jewish Center to have a quiet room where I can have an interview, like, or just stand outside. It's complicated. Uh, that's a tight turnaround. Do you have any odds on the name? Odds on the... Ah, uh, ah. Uh, it's embarrassing that I didn't even come with this. Um, I mean, what what were the ones that Miu and Gavi were saying for Isser? You know, the, the Hebrew versus not Hebrew. Um, yeah, Hebrew versus not Hebrew. You heavy heavy favorite... Heavy, heavy, heavily fav- favored Hebrew. You think named after a relative or just named that they like? I assume named after a relative. Um, Gav was named after relatives. Um, thank God I don't think there have been deaths in the families recently. But 
that doesn't mean that there weren't that they've been saving. Yeah, um, I mean, like, not I feel like it's always that. safe to say that the, it's, the kid's going to be named after someone, unless right. it's a neat-sounding like, situation. Not having anyone, honestly, it really frees you up, but it's also, it's nice to have a structure to work within. Like, know that, like, I want to name after this person. That means I have somewhere between two to four names to choose from, and, like, yeah. hopefully I like one of them or something close enough to one of them. At least if at least if somebody dead can give you a first letter to work with. Like, that, that that's, you know, it's, it's the elf approach to naming. It's... Mamish the elf approach to naming. Choose a couple rules and then choose within them. Um, yeah, it works. We have uh, in Cleveland Bennett's future grade, assuming nobody's moving or you know whatever, has no fewer than I think it's five different girls named Orly born within the past year. That's, that's unacceptable. That's, it's too much. By the end of it, like it was already a running joke. There were too many Orlies, and there was still another Orly. Like at what point is? My my roommate, one of my roommates' names is Yitzi Orlansky. He's got three Y's in his name. At what point is there too many Y's in a name? Like, three feels like too many to me. If you're if if you know you're naming your child that name, and and Yitzi with a I. In my humble opinion, anyway. Also, if you're if you're like a like a Shoshana or like a a Shosh or a Shoshi or something, and you marry a guy whose last name starts with a Shush sound, like. You cannot have three shishes in your name. It's too much. You know, this 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 might be where you and I are, are most in sync. Naming a child is an opportunity to bully a unborn person for the rest of their life. And if you don't want to be naming your kid Shy Wiener, right? Like like don't do that. And don't do anything that functionally is the same, like giving your child three shishes. Like it, it's just, right. it, it's like on the off chance your child has a lisp on the off chance that the bully in the class has a lisp. Like there are just so many ways that that could go poorly for your child. And then you have to deal with their therapy bills. Yeah, we, I mean, I believe strongly in applying like a very thorough and rigid process to making sure you're not giving your kid a clown name accidentally. Oh, to walk so, me like, through we, all of your processes. We, we slice and dice it a lot of different ways. You got to look at the initials also, right? Like we were being like, like David really, Dean Klein <laughs> dick. Yeah. But even like, even like more neutral acronyms, like you don't want your kid to be OMG or like, you know, God forbid KKK or something like you want to watch out for that. Um, you got to watch out if it's a girl, which obviously was not the case for us, but like make sure that there's no married initial they could take on that would, you know, just totally kill their initial vibe or give them like a, you know, Shoshana Schechter or something like that. Um, so you look at it that way. You look at all the nicknames, make sure there are no famous people with any similar names, which we actually, like one of the reasons that we're calling Bennett Bennett is because coming from Maryland, we did not want to have another Ben Carden, which like, Later in life, as we're living in Ohio, if he decides, hey, I want to be Ben, I don't want to be Bennett, like, that's fine. But because, but we need to be more further removed from Ben Cardin than living in a place where no one knows who, you know, Senator Ben Cardin is. <laughs> so, like, there are a lot of considerations. You want to make sure, also, if you're going after a biblical name, like, you want to make sure it's biblical connotations you actually like. And not, like, a name that you think sounds pretty, but is actually, you know, someone who is a controversial character. Like, you know, if you don't know your Bible and name your kid, like, you know, Haman or Asaf or something, like, you don't, you don't want that. Granted, they're, they're, they're simpler, but, like, if you really value, you know, uh, humility or something, maybe you don't want to name your kid Shlomo. If you value family, you don't want to name your kid Yaakov. Like, 
there's angles to look at also with the the overall context. So if like, you want we, your child, if you want your child to be a man who has man or woman who has a lot of sex, name them after Jacob. Or you know David, or also yeah. Shlomo. There's a lot of options. Um, the there's other, a the rich other tradition. <laughs> the other thing you can look at if we're, if we're still going into this is check out like name origins and if you, you know, translate your kid's name into like its basic origin like what does that actually mean um and like maybe get something cool in there like like bennett leon carden like he's blessed lion like that's pretty cool i'm okay with that so you know, there, there's some that are cooler some that are not as cool like especially this weekend angles. i support lions yeah, I mean, I would have been a lot more upset about the Lions win if the Giants hadn't bowled it out. But um, well, that's a good transition. I I would say yeah. I want to I want to hear you talk me through that last drive on defense. So, I mean, I think overall, like even before that drive, I think both teams played a good game. Um, I think the Giants definitely played well enough to win. I don't think like you know we robbed the game. I don't think it would have been a given that even if Washington had got the touchdown, that they would have gotten the two point and then they would have stopped us from getting a field goal and then they would have won in overtime. We have direct evidence that when the score is 20 to 20, nobody can you know exceed that in these matchups. So I think there are, there are a lot of reasons to think that like even Washington getting that touchdown would not have been a win at the same time, like given that Terry checked with the ref and the ref told him it was okay. Like that was a nonsense, illegal formation. Um, Strong and then on the last, yeah, on the last play, like that was DPI. There's like no two ways about it. That absolutely should have been called DPI. But I think, and I said this in the Slack earlier, um, I think it's it's a fair take that the DPI should have been offsetting with illegal hands to the face against uh, Kayvon, who got like his eye poked out. But even then, like offsetting, they should have had another shot at it. So I, I, I think the refs helped. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm a Commanders fan, I would definitely be pissed off at that. At the same time, I don't think it's a given they would have won even if so. And at the end of the day, like, I feel like every team complains about the refs screwing them over the most. Me included. I get real mad at refs. Not denying it. But, like, they definitely made some wrong calls. They screwed up. You know, everyone's just got to move on. There are some people on Twitter this morning who were just using this as this this last drive as an opportunity to out themselves as real clowns and it was crazy i mean there are people like say you know matthew berry tweeted about this because he's a big you know commanders fan and and he was like i mean this is just ridiculous like he checked with the ref like a player should be able to trust the ref like i feel like that's a fundamental part of the contract between you know like if we're if there's going to be human error then at least you know the trust is everything i mean it's the same in baseball like we just want to you know a, a con, con, consistent zone all this stuff and then people are in his replies like the rules are the rules you have to know what the line is it was like who decides what the line is it's not like they have the yellow line in real life like i just like and then people are like i would never try to ask a cop if i was in handcuffs in the back of their car if i have broken the law like i'm already there the flag's already on the field and it's like what is this metaphor wait that's not even that doesn't even line up like syntactic. Like Terry asked before the play started. Oh, Jason, you are absolutely right. It makes no sense. It it was it, shocking. It, sorry to extend the metaphor. It does make sense to go to a cop and say, "Hi, I'm considering doing activity X. Would that be okay?" I mean, chances are, knowing cops, you'd probably get arrested for considering doing something. In many cases, considering doing X crime is not okay. But and they're very liberal in their deciding what's not okay. But more importantly, you're right. 
You're right. This makes no sense. And there are like shocking numbers of people like using getting arrested metaphors in like the replies to this. And I'm like, I texted you like I'm groggy. I'm waking up. I haven't been sleeping. And like the first thing I do this morning when I wake up is open Twitter basically to see if anybody's hiring. And, um, and I see this and I'm just like, I must be asleep. I don't get it. And, and there are like seven of them, like high up in the comments, like getting a lot of it makes. It's a bad take. Good, good for the Giants. I mean, what are you now? Fifth or sixth in the playoff seat? Sixth. Six is comfortable these days. And we can, we eight can, and five. We're not eight, five, and one. We're not going to, but we technically can clinch playoffs this week. I think if if the Giants beat the Vikings, which I do not think is going to happen. And two of Washington, Detroit, and Seattle lose the Giants clinch, which is like, again, it's not going to happen. But it's crazy to be sitting here in week, what is it, sixteen, with a with a clinch scenario. It's I nice. mean, I, I really think that this is a best case scenario for the Giants right now. Um, this whole season, especially considering the start. I mean, how how many games did did you win before losing? We were we were at seven and two at one point. Yeah, That's so probably your best record at seven and two, right? Like the Giants were never that good. There are a number of glaring holes within the the roster, and to make the playoffs after losing games where some of the biggest holes are exposed is a perfect way. You know, like you get the experience of, you know, half of the fun is being alive in week sixteen. It's just like you're saying, like that that's that's the best part. Like you're surprised, it's exciting, and and now there's no excuse. There's no excuse in the off season for the Giants. It's really a great great way for the season to play out for you. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm it's I'm thrilled. It's a complete house money season. Like, do I think we're good enough to hang with the top teams? Like, absolutely not. I'm not you know crazy about how good we are, but like, you're better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. So technically speaking, you could beat the Cowboys. I mean, I believe we could beat the Cowboys, but like divisional games are always their own animal. Um, like, yeah. I mean, I don't expect us to like go on another 2007 run by any means. I think. Like you said, we have some really freaking big holes. We have some really bad injuries in general, like across the board. But like, it's fun. I'm here for it. I'm excited for this year. I'm excited for next year and beyond. Like our coach is legit. Our GM's legit. Like, I'm happy. On the opposite side of the spectrum, the Patriots are a disaster. Um, yeah. I'm skipping. To all, to all Patriots fans out there, you should prioritize rooting against Matt Patricia to rooting for your team. That's That's my takeaway. All I can say is Yaakov talking to Tani about Patriots is an absolute tire fire of hate towards Patricia and is Bill senile uh, these days. And it's definitely unhealthy, but I don't know. I shouldn't out myself, but I will. I think at about 3.50, I texted Yaakov, we're going to beat them by 40. That was a lot of hyperbole, but I was fairly confident we would win. And I was at a graduation party last night. And the last time I checked the score, it was 17 to three Raiders. And I was like, great, I guess. Well, <laughs> I'd seen the first half. I'd seen the play calls. And it was just like, this team is fucking ruined. Like the two times in the, on the first scoring drive for the Patriots. Uh, no, when we got turned over on the one. When we threw over the middle of the field. And shocker, Mac Jones went through his progressions and hit guys in stride for 15-yard plays over the middle of the field. Patricia just doesn't trust him. It's crazy. Mac Jones is a decent quarterback. He's not a savior, but he's really fine. Like NFL fine, completely middle of the pack fine, and they just won't let him be a quarterback. And and then I, uh, I mean, I watched the play this morning. 
What that are you last thinking? fight is. I mean, I know we would give everyone a lot of crap for all their most of all time takes, but that has to be one of the, the dumbest plays of all time. The most dumbest plays of all time. Roger Sherman pointed out that only twice in NFL history has uh, a team lost on a lateral play. Both times it was the Patriots yesterday when we lateraled the ball and gave it to the Raiders and they scored. And then on the Dolphins play when Kronk missed a tackle in, I think, 2018. Ugh. If this season mattered, if I was rooting for this team like I was rooting for that team, I genuinely don't think I would be able to do a podcast today. I mean, I just... Mm-mm. No, I get it. Like Tough losses, they ruin your week. But also, like, dumb losses. Dumb losses are worse than tough losses. Like Especially, like, like if that ends up being the margin between making and missing playoffs for you guys, like, that's tough. I remember when, when we lost to the Broncos in the AFC Championship game, the 20-18 game, with Gronk uh, scoring the touchdown, and then we almost got the, the two-point conversion. That, that was a really tough loss. That was deflating. But, like... Not in, infuriating, you know, like like a dumb loss when like you just didn't have to like they could have taken. Oh my god! You so go down, bad. it's going to overtime. You just, so just run like- the ball. You just run the ball. You knee it out. <laughs> oh my god! Um, let's skip the Niners. Um, good for them for giving me money. Good for them for helping the Giants. Uh, you've got Shabbos takes. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a call for the NFL to fix anything because I'm personally inconvenienced, but Shabbos games suck. I don't like them. I think they're bad from, like, a obviously a Shabbos perspective that I can't watch them. Like, it spreads out the games too much, and then Red Zone doesn't have all the content that it should have. To be fair, the one clock window yesterday was unbelievable. It was. That's fair. Um, But, like, wouldn't it have been even more unbelievable if there were eight games going instead of six? I mean, that, that would just mean that, like, around 345, there would be five games we never saw instead of three. Hey, I mean, they'd have, they'd have followed more. Like, if, if the Vikings were doing their comeback at the same time, that would have got That's a lot true. of press. That, yeah. that, that would have been four games. They would have had to, like, quad box at all times. You never would have seen anything. Yeah, I, I just I think it spreads it spreads too much. And, like, even in a world where, like, I'm not Shomer Shabbos, that's, you know, you're talking, like, Thursday night, three on Saturday three windows on Sunday and Monday night. That's eight different windows with a game. Like, I don't have 24 hours just to devote to football in a week. Like, put that in red zone. Let me watch, like, eight games at once. And, like, I only need to commit, like, maybe nine hours a week to football. I don't know. It's, it sounds like you're making, too much. making the NFL's case to do it in reverse. Um, yeah, I mean, week 18, like, it's fun. It's a lot of fun having every single game going on a Sunday. Like, you sit down and you see how everything plays out all at the same time like they schedule it smartly so that the games that impact other games happen at the same time like the content is very much tailored by week 18 it's great now that week 18 is my favorite week because teams start you know sitting players are out of contention whatever but i think it's a good model yeah normally i i I mean i like thursday night football i like monday night football but saturday it's it's too much the giants are playing on shabbos again we're gonna go into minnesota we're gonna lose i'm gonna turn on my phone after shabbos to find out that we lost like 34 to 12 and that's fine and i'm gonna be but starting like, kirk cousins against you for what it's worth you should be we don't have a secondary right now if a dory jackson comes back maybe a different story but like we're not stopping kirk cousins we're not can, stopping can, Justin can, Jefferson. We, can, we, can we talk about that game for one second i want your thoughts i mean like my thoughts i didn't watch the game it just i'm sure that you have takes 
I mean, I obviously did not watch the game either. Um, so I don't know so much about it, but like, you know, good for them. I, I, I support Kirk against the haters. <laughs> and he, he's, he's got haters. I think, uh, there's, there are not so many players that Washington fans hate more than Kirk Cousins. That's wacky. I feel like he has more love haters, you know? I think he's fine. He's not a world beater. I like think he's better than anyone Washington's had at quarterback for the past while. But like, I don't know. He's, I mean, in real life, he's like a corny dude with some weird takes on Jews. But like, not in a bad way, I think. And, you know, good for him. And the Colts, the Colts are just, they're, uh, they're weird. Yeah. They're a weird freaking team. Yeah. Let's talk about some weird freaking teams. Kumfufu playoffs round one was so boring. So yes. boring. Like, I feel like it was 145 when Joey popped into live NFL commentary on a Sunday afternoon, which he never does, uh, to say that Yaakov needs to stop complaining that he's going to lose because Joey was like, my Kevin Barr is already like three. Um, and on the one hand... Like, I guess. On the other, like, basically both matchups were already decided by then. <laughs> like, what the hell? I think anyone losing in the playoffs has a right to complain about the fact that they're losing in the playoffs. Yeah, I support that. I support that. Um, before before we do losers, I guess let's start with Ezra and Joey. Um, before, before we go to Joey, even though that's way funnier and we have a lot more content, like, let, let's give kudos to Ezra. Uh, another semifinal. Feel like Ezra has to be top three in Kumfufu semifinal appearances. Um, but also, like, who would have thought? Who would have thought that Jared Goff would be out here winning Fufu Machops in the playoffs? I looked it up. You know, he's QB thirteen on the year. QB thirteen is necessarily not top ten though. And right, it, it, but like, it's not. It's not. It's not where you expect Jared Goff to be. No, and I. You have to assume that in the second half of the year, he's way higher than QB thirteen. Yeah. I mean, my lines have been putting it together. That's that's a. I mean, honestly, Jared Goff is probably better for Ezra's team than Kyler Murray was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, that's good. My uh, what I also like about Ezra is, I think after the draft, the person who hated their team the most, like by a country mile, was Ezra. Ezra hated this team. He thought he had a terrible job. Was already predicting himself to like lose every single game. And like, look at him now. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's hard to tell at any point in a Kumfufu season how much anybody actually thinks the things that they say and how much they're just playing the part of the caricature each of us has con- uh, concocted for ourselves. Like, you know, I, I spoke with the, the guy from The New Yorker who wrote um, a profile of Jeremy Strong, the guy who plays um, uh, uh, Kendall Roy in Succession. And, like, the whole thing of the story was, like, he, you know, he really became that guy. Like, he is that guy. Like, it's... All of us really are the uh, the people that we play in Kumfufu. And so it's hard to say, like, how much Ezra actually hated his team and how much he just, like, feels compelled to be negative about his own... Who's to say? And, and, and I say this with complete sincerity. I am not saying that as a knock nearly as much as I'm saying, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's fair. I think another good example of that, and this is something I, I wanted to discuss, is Jesse. Oh, okay. I think you look at Jesse's team. Jesse probably has one of the strongest teams in the league. Like oh, he has, he has a good roster. 
I really think he does. Um, like, take a look. And he, especially if you factor in that guys like Terry McLaurin and Amari Cooper are on, like, like really cheap costs and are going to be great keepers, like, Jesse has a solid roster. It's I mean, been, I like, guess. I, li- like, I like Najee's, it a lot. Najee's been bad all year. Najee's Debo, been bad. But, like, Josh Debo's Jacobs has gone crazy. Yeah. He wasn't worse. He's got Terry in there. He's got Amari in there. They've been they've been good. He's got Burrow. Like even like as as RB twos and three are Montgomery and Swift. Like they're not they haven't been great, but they've been startable when healthy. Startable so, when healthy does not mean startable, you know. I mean yeah, but the point is point is I think Jesse had a good roster. I think Jesse's roster deserved to make the playoffs just based on roster strength. But like what? Jesse's Jesse, so he's gonna no. he's gonna he's gonna default to ninth place. That's, you, think, I mean, you think if Jesse had spent more than the zero waiver dollars he spent this year, he couldn't be a contender? I mean, like, fundamentally, my philosophy is that it's a 10-team league. Everybody is a contender at all times until, you know you're, own, until you're, like, Owen 6, 5. Um, like, until the math says otherwise. I don't, like, I don't think in any given week, any roster is not actually bad. Like, I mean, whatever. Take my last four weeks. Like... These are the same guys who have been trash, um, and now I'm like putting up real numbers, which feels good. I will say, it does feel good. But like, I just feel like that's a that's a ten team league kind of thing, not a Jesse thing. I don't know. I'm curious when Joey comes back and is willing to do stats. How many times has someone won a playoff matchup with at least one player scoring less than a point? Which to me is a bagel. Like if you have a zero at the beginning of your your point i don't care if it's point you know if you got five yards no that's not that's not a point that's let the you know it's it's until you hit one you round down to zero and Devonte foreman had 0.9 for ezra and he still comfortably won so i wonder i don't know do you have any memory of something like that happening? not off the top of my head we'd have to go to the stats for it all right well i know i know that you will get more enjoyment out of this segment than me so i'll let you lead Joey's awful day by the numbers. I compiled all the stuff stolen, of course, from Joey's text to Joro yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Tony. It's it's been a fun time um, <laughs> watching Joey collapse. There's always this inevitability with him and like with you. Also, it's like, oh crap, they're just going to go and win again, and we're stuck with another off season of them as defending champion. Yeah, the whole the whole villain arc and like. It's nice to see him just come up flat. It's it's like watching the Patriots get killed by the Bills in the wild card round last year. It's just like it's satisfying. Um, I'm happy that he came out flat. I think it was. I, I think his team has been through a lot. I don't think it's the strongest team out there by any means. I like Jesse's roster better, straight up. <laughs> and uh, you know, it was it was nice to see him like underperform come playoffs instead of wildly overperform. But like it was some tough luck. There were like. <laughs> Six, several significant like injuries that all impact his team and like that's not you know on him for setting a poor lineup that's you know just just luck that's fantasy yeah. well he he texted early in the day he said um that he was in the running for um worst rb performance of all time with three guys no less and um i think he managed to uh to pass that but what is still a possibility is worst kumfuffle week ever. Um, if Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard combine for less than 15 points tonight, Joey will, in the playoffs, have the worst kumfuffle week of all time. He had. I would love that. <laughs> I, I, I'd find it funny. He, 
Joey's players scored zero touchdowns. Only one player uh, so far has has amassed over 35 yards. Um, and, and and here's uh, a Joey scripted uh, rundown of all his players who have gone so far. So QB hasn't gone yet. Wide receiver one broke his finger. Wide receiver two lost his quarterback. Wide receiver three is Lazard. He's going tonight. Running back one went out after one touch. Running back two inexplicably didn't get a carry until the end of the second and also had a minus 13-yard catch and fumble. Pause my- there. Pause there. Yeah. Joey, what have I told you about Miles Sanders? I want you to pause and reflect everything- on the fact that this is Miles Sanders. Everything, but like, to be fair. That's what I went through all of last season. Even- I had no, 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 Miles no, no, no. Sanders, even, nothing. Even they wouldn't the give worst, him the ball. Uh, even the most aggressive of your, you know, Miles Sanders warnings and cautions doesn't include a minus 13-yard catch and fumble. Yes, but it does include the they will inexplicably not use him even though he's the best runner on the team other yeah. than maybe Jalen Hurts. And then Joey says of his flex, sucked for a half hour, uh, for a half and then got hurt. I mean, the got hurt is really the thing. Um, just, uh, I mean, we'll see. There, there, there is comfortable history to be paying attention to tonight. I won't be watching this game, but I'll be keeping an eye on Joey's roster. That is for sure. I will also not be watching this game on grounds that it is a terrible game between two teams <laughs> with no relevance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, you have to pick your spots. Like, if you watch a lot of games, you really have to you have to be smart about when you're not watching. Uh, Adler on Adler violence. Uh, Dean, big day. I think. Um, on, on the opposite side of Joey, I think it's impressive and good to see someone pull out a projected top five score of the season in the playoffs. And Dean, Dean is currently projected for over 170 points, uh, which would just be the second time uh, this year that someone did that. LCQ, uh, person in week uh, when someone broke 170 this year, currently the most points in the season. I'm going to stick with Jesse, and I'm going to say week like four. <laughs> <laughs> this jet <laughs> I like Jesse's roster. I like this. This is this is a good subplot of the episode. No, it is not Jesse, but it is a member of the uh MJBHA class of twenty twelve. Daniel in week two put up hundred and seventy five points. Back when he was good. Daniel. It was like the, the performance that made us think that he was good uh before he sucked, but was also still very good. I mean like Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Steph Diggs is a Hell of a receiver lineup. But Jalen yeah. Hurts up there, like... Uh, he had a good team. He had a really good team. He did. Adin also, like, everybody who's played so far, over 10 points. And nothing here looks specifically unsustainable. I mean, except for Juwan Johnson, who's like four catches and a touchdown. But like, okay, he's a tight end. Whatever. Yeah. Um, do you agree with my takes about Yakov, though? Like, I just... I looked through it, and it was like all his boom guys boomed except for Devontae, and then everyone else was just there. And Mixon. But yeah, I mean, that's been Yakov's team all along. He's had like, you know, four players who are any good, and the rest have been spare parts, and that's that. And that's, you know, Devontae didn't put up, a, put up a big game, Mixon didn't put up a big game, and like, end of the road. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about the Patriot ads real quick? <laughs> Yakov, what are you doing? If you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing? We've already given you a lot of crap for owning Tyquan Thornton. There is no reason Tyquan Thornton should be owned in fantasy. And now you've got Pierre Strong. All I'm saying is, I know I get a lot of crap for being a homer, but like, I don't think anyone's allowed to call anyone a homer anymore, except 
if it's targeted at Yakov. I mean, to be fair, it's not like Yakov has ever spent $80 on Taekwon or Pierre. In fact, he spent zero on them. No, but the he spent, spot. like, yeah, the roster spots. But, like, he has Ramondre, and Ramondre had a questionable tag before the game. So, like, okay. and, and Harris was out. So it's just insurance having Pierre Strong. I mean, I think there's a point with handcuffs where, like, the handcuffs, even though they're the handcuff and the, you know, presumptive starters still aren't necessarily worth starting. I don't know if Pierre Strong hits that threshold, but either way, I find it very funny that Yakov has two, not one, but two rookies on his least favorite offense in football. I mean, I think Taekwon was more um, just... Uh in case he boomed and became a keeper for next year. But, like, I get it. I mean, I don't, I don't have uh, strong feelings either way. I, I fairly – I've been on the record for years now that I think bench spots are meaningless and that using them for potential boom options, like, that's, that's how I go about my business. So who, who would I be to cast aspersions on that? Um, I wanted to – I'm casting um, aspersions. Oh, that's To be clear. clear. Yes. It's good, it's good to be um, – Direct. Um, but Yakov, Yakov like, didn't have a bad day. He got, like, 120 points, which was slightly under Kevin Barr. But, like, this year, is, like, is 120 points a bad showing? Like, I get, like, he was never in contention here. But, like, I don't think he embarrassed himself here. No, 120 is totally fine. I feel like, I mean, I, 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 this is anecdotal and we need to go to the stats, but I feel like there have been more weeks under 100 this season than there have any other season. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that, like, I just, um, this felt like a very, very, very down season points-wise across the league, um, which hurts especially strong when you're putting up, like, nothing. But it occurred to me the points, are points back? Like, Adin blew up, Ezra blew up, you blew up, and I blew up. Not that it mattered for either of us, but, like, four, four people of the league uh, surpassed 140 points, which I can't imagine happened a single other time this year. And it would be great if points were back because, like, remember, like, the 2018-2019 inflation era when, like, everybody was always scoring 130? That's just objectively yeah. more fun. Yeah, yeah, more points, more fun. Yeah. Um, is there anything else worth mentioning about the six teams who didn't play this week? Because I didn't have anything. Nope. All right, cool. Um, well, let's uh, wrap it up. We're going to be like basically exactly an hour, which is which is great. Uh, we've got um, at least planned. I, I don't know when Joey's coming back, but I'm hoping to uh, get another. Now that I've graduated, like I actually have time. I'm hoping to get like a, a full playoff preview episode out before Thursday or before Friday, really. Um, but let's get some rapid fire uh, next week predictions uh, on the record for you, Chase. Doesn't that work? So uh, let's let's start with the playoff bracket. I took the liberty to name every matchup this week um, because I did it for one, and then I started having fun. Um, the battle for Charles Woodson, Gavi seated one versus Ezra seated five. Kevin Barr projects Gavi at so they, they they don't have matchups yet, so we don't have a Kevin Barr percentage, but we do have projected points. Gavi projected one hundred twenty six point three seven versus Ezra projected one hundred twenty six point five three. That is a uh, sixteen yard difference. In projections, I love this. Who do you have? Gavi. You have Gavi. It's definitely. I think Ezra needs need, needs the heartbreaking loss, and I think this is it. Uh, <laughs> I uh, um, considering Gavi has half my lineup. I'm joking. Um, uh, I'm gonna go Ezra here. I trust Kevin Barr. I trust Kevin Barr, and uh, Ezra deserves a championship. I'm going Ezra. 
and I wonder, I wonder if this Kevin Barr will change over over the week. Uh, next up in the other semifinal, the uh, battle for the sexiest kung fu fuller alive. Uncle Mark seated two versus Adin seated six. Projection has Mark at one hundred twenty four point five three and Adin at one hundred twenty point one six. Going to Dean in the upset. I think it's going to be an all Adler bowl. I think Mark's team is better, but I think a Dean, he has playoff magic. Every year oh. he does better than the year before. Oh, that's a great point. Wait, can we, can we like real quick rank the finals matchup uh, by, that we want? Um, I think narrative wise, a Dean versus Ezra is the best. Yeah, I think if we're going just for narrative, then any matchup with Mark is the least exciting. I'd, Nothing against him, but he doesn't fit the narrative with the other three guys. I'd sooner take a Mark versus Gavi than a Dean versus Gavi, and I'll tell you why. Because, uh, whatever, like, a Dean versus Gavi, like Adler versus Adler, that's nice. Um, you know, the two teams I traded with, uh, you know, for my keepers, that's fun. But Gavi versus Mark being the two first champions of Kung Fu Fu, that's history, right? Like, that's that's really cool. And um, for, the, to, for the first two... Uh, champions to be fighting for the right to get their second title. I actually think that's an awesome, awesome narrative. That's a fair perspective. I don't think it tops the brother narrative for me. I think there's just something about like perennial bottom feeder Adlers finally meeting. And it's, it would be like a, like a Cleveland Detroit Super Bowl. Like, so okay, that's so, a narrative. So let's, so then let's um, make the case for Ezra versus Mark. Cause I think implicitly we just said that that's fourth. Yeah, I mean, what is that? That's that's a that's golf match. Oh, yeah, yeah. Best golfers in Kumfufu. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. Okay, good catch. Good catch. Okay, so, um, yeah, we said that. Now, consolation bracket. Battle for fifth place. Yaakov, originally seated third versus Joey, originally seated fourth. Projection. Joey currently is actually projected for 95, but he has two guys in his roster who are probably not going to play next week. So I just um, added the two highest um, projected guys from his bench. To this projection to make it at least remotely close but the projection says Yakov at 136 to joey at 118 i'm rounding um who you got i i can't in good conscience pick joey like he doesn't have a roster Everyone fifth place game fifth, fifth place game makes no sense i'm going joey it's going to be like 90 95 to like 73 something wacky is going to happen in this Wait, game who, and, who, it, did you pick for a dean mark yet oh i i said give me a dean i don't know okay or i i just don't care just don't care. I, I I will enjoy however it plays out, um, but like whatever. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. No matter no matter who makes the finals, I'm excited for the Madden Sim. Oh, it's true. We do need to do a Madden Sim. Um, the uh, the battle for integrity that only these two guys care about. Me versus you, or really you versus me. You're seven. I'm ten. Uh, projection uh, has you at one twenty two and a quarter, and me at one thirteen and a fifth. I'm picking against myself. Oh, it's been my it's been my theme this season. I my am, team has fallen short when I most needed to pull through. Yep, I'm picking against you as well for the exact same reason. It just feels like the most Jason thing to happen for you to lose this inexplicably, and then to have to make the case that you've been making all season, despite that like I've ruined integrity, uh, despite the fact that I beat you in the concept. Like it just makes too much sense from an average perspective. Well, it would, like, it would support my argument that if you hadn't tanked, you would have made a good push in the playoffs. But to, like, I mean, to be fair, the only the only two guys who are any good that I had this whole time are Garrett Wilson and Garrett Wilson. Um, I guess Tyler Algier. Hopefully, he does that again. That was great. 
Um, that was really fun. And then lastly, the battle to not give a shit. Ezra, I'm uh, sorry, not Ezra. Daniel at eight. Jesse versus nine. You um, know I'm picking Jesse. No, but then he won't finish ninth. I'm picking Daniel because Jesse finishes ninth. Which implicitly would suggest then that I am picking you to win the Sacco because Jesse will finish ninth and you're going to lose to me. <laughs> that is, right, like that is, that is, that is the, like if we just take the most obvious narrative of these two consolation matchups, it doesn't bode well for you. <laughs> it does not. Um... And like none of this is rooted in any reality. But it feels inevitable. Now that you say it out loud, I'm I'm worried, but like I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that my my faith in Jesse's roster pulls through for me for him to at least like have an eighth place finish instead of ninth. I think he deserves that. It's a good squad. <laughs> I'm taking Daniel because Daniel's team is Daniel's team, and uh, and also because Jesse finishes ninth. Mainly because Jesse finishes ninth. Um, Somehow that is the most consistent. I mean, we, I think at some point in the near future we have to like just do like a full episode on Jesse as the most consistent member of Kumfufal and all the ways that Jesse promises to be consistent. I mean, um, that streak of winning and losing in alternate weeks for like what was it like fifteen weeks? Like that's 25, crazy. Twenty five. That's insane, Jesse. Outrageous. He has no idea. He has no Not, idea. Yeah. Uh, you got also, any party thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Before we end, I just, I just want the league and all the listeners to know and understand that not one, but both of my family leagues, I have had the number one seed mathematically locked up for like three weeks now. So I'm not terrible. Kumfuffle's just hard. Kumfuffle is hard, which is a good thing. Which is yeah. a good thing. And it'll be even better when there are more points next year. Your session. Im your session. Honestly... To, to go back to your original point about Ezra hating his roster, how many people like their roster coming out of the draft? I, I did too. I loved my roster. Yeah. I, I thought I thought I executed my strategy 10 out of 10. I was thrilled. I was totally happy. I like I, I did exactly what I wanted to do, and I thought I had good value. I don't know. Sound off in the chat. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we're gonna go now. Okay, wait. Stay on the line. Pokemon taco. I bet there's a picture of some Pokemon eating a taco. Yep, there. here's a Charizard with a taco. Easy. Perfect.